0: ...and averseness to systematic application were all that lay between Mop and the career of a second Paganini. While playing, he invariably closed his eyes, using low notes and, as it were, allowing the violin to wander on at will into the most plaintive passages ever heard by rustic man. There was a certain lingual character in the supplicatory expressions he produced which would well nigh have drawn an ache from the heart of a gatepost, post. He could make any child in the parish who was at all sensitive to music burst into tears in a few minutes by simply fiddling one of the old dance tunes he almost entirely affected. Country jigs, reels, and favorite quicksteps of the last century. Some mutilated remains of which even now reappear as nameless phantoms in new quadrilles and gallops where they are recognized only by the curious, or by such old-fashioned and far-between people as have been thrown with men like Watt Ollamore in their early life. His date was a little later than that of the old Melstock choir band, which comprised the Jewies, male and the rest. He did not rise above the horizon thereabouts till those well-known musicians were disbanded as ecclesiastical functionaries. In their honest love of thoroughness, they despised the new man's style. Theophilus Dewey, Reuben the Tranter's younger brother, used to say there was no plumbness in it, no bowing, no solidity. It was all fantastical. And probably this was true. Anyhow, Mop had very obviously never bowed a note of church music from his birth. He never once sat in the gallery of Melstock Church, where the others had tuned their venerable psalmody so many hundreds of times, had never in all likelihood entered a church at all. All were devil's tunes in his repertory. He could no more play the world hundredth to his true time than he could play the brazen serpent, the tranter would say. The brazen serpent was supposed in Melstock to be a musical instrument particularly hard to blow. Occasionally, Mop could produce the aforesaid moving effect upon the souls of grown-up persons, especially young women of fragile and responsive organization. Such an one was Carline Aspent. Though she was already engaged to be married before she met him, Carline, of them all, was the most influenced by Mop Olimor's heart-stealing melodies to her discomfort, nay, positive pain and ultimate injury. She was a pretty, invocating, weak-mouthed girl, whose chief defect as a companion with her sex was a tendency to peevishness now and then. At this time, she was not a resident in Melstock Parish, where Mop lodged, but lived some miles off, at Stickleford, further down the river. How and where she first made acquaintance with him, and his fiddling is not truly known, but the story was that it either began or was developed on one spring evening, when, in passing through Lower Melstock, she chanced to pause on the bridge near his house to rest herself and languidly leaned over the parapet. Mop was standing on his doorstep, as was his custom, spinning the insidious thread of semi- and demi-semi-quavers from the E string of his fiddle for the benefit of passers-by— and laughing as the tears rolled down the cheeks of the little children hanging around him. Carline pretended to be engrossed with the rippling of the stream under the arches, but in reality she was listening, as he knew. Presently the aching of the heart seized her simultaneously with a wild desire to glide airily in the maze of an infinite dance, to shake off the fascination she resolved to go on, although it would be necessary to pass him as he played. On stealthily glancing ahead of the performer, she found to her relief that his eyes were closed in abandonment to instrumentation, and she strolled on boldly. But when closer, her step grew timid. Her tread convulsed itself more and more accordingly with the time of the melody till she very nearly danced along. Gaining another glance at him, when immediately opposite, she saw that one of his eyes was open, quizzing her as he smiled at her emotional state. Her gait could not divest itself of its compelled capers till she had gone a long way past the house, and Carline was unable to shake off the strange infatuation for hours. After that day, whenever there was to be in the neighborhood a dance to which...